welcome to Partner Ops Partner. Formerly behind the SaaS, still in transition. Hopefully, if you're listening to my show, you're getting this podcast. I moved from Anchor over to Buzzsprout over the weekend, pulled all my episodes over. I am now publishing, uh, hopefully, the transition on the thing. You just see it all change you know, in the podcast. I'm not too worried about the history living there as behind the SaaS and seeing all the logos. It's just a historical component. I might go clean that up later. I'm glad you're here. Bear with me as we get the transition. I'm also using a new recorder, Squadcast.fm. Riverside was giving me some fits, so I thought I would try Squadcast out for a week or two and see how it goes. This week is is all about audience engagement. I got I got asked a question by two different people, really, um, kind of hinting toward the same question. One was engagement with a LinkedIn post I made about PRMs and CRMs. Big surprise. Uh, and then somebody named Philippe who wrote back and just asked me, hey, what are your favorite tech tools? You know, CRM is not for partnership. What do you like? I love this question, but I'm also reluctant to answer. And I told uh, Philippe, well, honestly, why I'm a bit wary. It's just in ops means you don't have a lot of things. And I, I just couldn't get to an answer sufficiently in the comments. I said, hey, let me address it in my article. And then I got pinged by my new friend, Wendy Wynn, who is running uh, Partner Ops. Is a new, uh, she's new to the role in Partner Ops, and they're doing a PRM selection where she's at. And we got to talking about different vendors and I was giving her the different things that I know about the vendors and the challenges I've had with some of them. And then what I see in the market and what I've heard from other people. And she finally got to like, Hey, well, what would be your dream state? And I thought, man, that's a huge question. So I tried to answer her, but I also want to give some credence to there's more to it. It's just difficult. And so this episode is all about my dream state, right? And the things that kind of go into my dream state. The thing we have to start with is that partner ops is the foundation of a great partner experience. I'm, I'm convicted about that. Now we're seeing partner experience pop up more these days. I'm seeing roles for this pop up. They're tied to program or enablement. These things make sense, right? Enablement is where you do experience. It's, it's core to the experience of designing great learning is, is experience. You, you design good learning with a good experience. So it's a really natural place for that concept to live. Programs also make sense because it's early stage. First hires have responsibility for everything, ops, program development, sales, marketing, all of it, you know, contracting, every bit of it, uh, which would include experience. And so it, it can gravitate that way. But I think that experience is more than a learning model or program details. The experience around partnerships is found in every click of effort to drive revenue as an ecosystem. Clicks mean code, code means software, and software means operations. If you're looking to build a world-class experience, you're going to do it on the back of a solid operational foundation that is driven by the mission, values, and vision of ecosystem. You've probably heard me talk about ecosystem versus partnerships before. Partnerships for me is the vertical sales organization for most organizations, whereas ecosystem is the broader rhythm of getting partnerships driven into the company, into all the areas of the company to making sure they all have a connection to it and all of their needs are also prioritized as potential stakeholders. So the role of partner tech, right? The first thing I want to clarify is that I do have preferred vendors. And I think actually what it is, I have preferred people that work at these vendors. And so I'm willing to give their, their technology effort because I value the people and I trust the people. And I have grown pretty agnostic as a operations lead. It's difficult to have preference because when you work in operations or partner operations in particular, Depending on when you show up really impacts what you can actually do. And a lot of times you're dealing with technical debt, cleanup, process adoption, and busy, busy, busy priorities with very limited resources. 
Now, I'm going to break this up in early and late stage. In early stage companies, you're coming in and you're standing up things like core architecture. So the CRM is already there. You don't get to help pick the CRM. You got to work with what they have, which means generally you're working with HubSpot or you're working with Salesforce in today's uh, larger companies. If you're not working with an object-oriented database of some kind, you're going to be severely limited because nothing has what you need. So you got to build it. So forget acquiring new tech. You've got to get something stood up so your team can begin to manage accounts, keep up with emails and contacts. And then tech acquisition may not even be on the roadmap. We may not have the money, and you just have to use what you have to drive what you need. I like to work in that space. Uh, that's typically uh, a pre-fund to Series A, maybe Series B. Series A to Series B, somewhere in there, you might end up getting some money for partner ops. It just depends on the company. I still don't think it's often. right? And, and, and it's more about what platform gets its core functionality and at what speed. How much time do we have? Do they have integrations for our CRM? Do we have to do it ourselves? Do we get implementation support? These are all things that roll into the tech solution, not just how much do I like it? Does it meet our need? You have to really, you're driven by budget and feature more than anything. Uh, Late stage companies, and I say like when you get into, uh, and this is difficult, right? Series C or later, or maybe public companies, you're definitely building, especially public companies, you're dealing from established systems and rhythms. You are not coming in really to do major operational change in partner operations. You are coming in to help stand up, uh, maybe run teams of people, depending on how the size of the company. Um, like at Lassian, we have a pretty sizable uh, support function for channel because it's such a large part of our organization, right? It's just been a part of their uh, flywheel model since the beginning, so projects here take a little bit longer. Um, we're you know updating legacy systems, moving toward new things. We're really focused around OKRs. Um, you know what are the high level priorities of the business? And so from an operational perspective, you do some analysis and you're new in a lot of small projects, but then you're lining up to larger projects. There's a lot of compromise and a lot of technical considerations. You've got to look at things like renewal dates, which ones are working quote well enough, right? Like we can't, we don't have the money and the time and the, and the capacity to do everything all the time. So we have to make choices and selections. So where we come into the company is often, no matter what, it's behind the ball and out of position for immediately influencing any significant change in technology, unless that's already on the horizon or driving the hiring process, i.e. you got hired to put on a PRM. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was make sure you're getting a job, not a project, when you get into partner operations. Think about that. The other one is then the tech, right? The Catalyst Channel Ecosystem landscape highlights 223 companies with nearly $4 billion in revenue and estimates of $9 billion by 2027, just four years from now. The solutions on this map really cover the gamut in terms of functionality, feature depth, and approach. The solutions are all-in-one, or they're one-for-all, or they're highly specific, or they're really flexible, or they're fully integrated, or they're happy to build the integration. Um, they all want your budget, and a lot of them are still looking at how AI, not even starting, right, with AI and LMMs and how that technology is going to impact them. And I think a lot of them may end up seeing it too late. So some examples from tech about how this can impact preferential treatment. Look at Reveal and Crossmap, Crossbeam, and we can't forget PartnerTap. It's also out there. It's not as loud as the other two, but uh, it's out there. So Reveal and Crossbeam have a lot of feature parity. One's in, one's in the U.S. with a larger U.S. base. One's in EMEA with a larger EMEA base. They both have tools for your sales team. Um, now, Reveal does have a differentiating, differentiating feature around Nearbound. Um, you hear a lot about that in their marketing right now, but I'll tell you as an ops person, it's not really become clear to me until this week when someone pointed out that that is an actual feature that they're touting, not just a marketing concept for account management. That didn't land with me. Maybe I'm seeing too much of it. Maybe I'm not looking closely enough, but I still say that without a larger strategy for what you're doing with account mapping, who cares what platform you use? You need the account mapping. You need it lined up. And most companies that I know using one are using both. So without a strategy in place, 
it's hard to say which one's going to be better. You might have preferences on UI, things like that. I do. Um, but at the end of the day, the company may have relationships that are going to drive that for you. Again, ops is maybe behind the ball. Another example is marketplace and directory, right? Questions in this space you need to look at. What are you looking for? Do you need a marketplace? Are you just looking for directory? Do you need an internal directory? Can this app do both from one ecosystem, like one, one, one ecosystem, one platform, one place? Um, do you need something to help manage it collectively? Do you need an in-app? Are you looking for something to actually manage your in-app, your in-system marketplace so that your product team doesn't have to build one? Have they already started building one? Lots of considerations there. Again, so you're talking like if you're going to buy a marketplace or directory app, that's not just partner operations. That is marketing ops, product operations, potentially product development, partner operations, revenue operations. So many people have to be involved. Getting your preference from an operational partner standpoint is hard. It's a balance, right? Uh, we could go on for PR. PRM is the third example. It's just... We you know that one's one we could talk about for a while. Uh, I've got a lot of thoughts on PRM. I don't think PRM is pointless. So I want to clarify that, right? I was just with Omnibus with Gentrix last week. Um, I talked about this. PRMs have a place, but I think it has to be a strategic role and a strategic landing zone and with recognition that your top partners need more than just a place to go work. They need better engagement, better experience. But the, what you choose for PRM can be based a lot on like, the, you know, there's a lot of different approaches out there and you have to look at their approach to partnerships and the future of partnerships to determine, is this going to work for me? Or am I going to be in line with this approach or do my partners need more flexibility? There's a lot to ask about that one. That's a whole nother podcast. And so now we get to the dream, all these in the thing. I, I people want to say, Hey, I, you know, what do you want? I, I, I wish I could tell you really what tech I like, what tech I think is best. But my dream state is built around ideas over solutions. And I know that feels like a cop-out, and I'm sorry. And I could maybe tell you one or two companies that I like. And since we're on the podcast, I might. I'm reluctant to do so, though. Because for me, this goes back to my general agnosticism. And my work so far, what I'm seeing is that operations and partner experience is built around these ideals. So in my dream state, partner operations is the strategic harbinger of partner experience. It's realized in the way the organization delivers technology solutions around the defined vision for partner experience. Partner experience is also recognized as a threefold concept that impacts customers, partners, and colleagues. It is not just partners. Each one of these groups touches and works and engages with partners. They all have unique needs that are realized through ecosystem technology plans, which is a broader stroke of the pen than just partner operations. The collection of software used to build these experiences are then considered a product, in my opinion, right? We have a lot of different software that we use to create a product experience for a team. The sales team has a variety of tools they have to use to get through their day. I want that to feel as much like a unified experience and strategy as possible for sales, partnerships, marketing, whoever. And then we're, we're aligning the product standards around user experience, development, and delivery. And as product, now we're looking at this more like layer technology. Okay, great. We have data layers. Maybe Salesforce is becoming your data layer because more and more teams are moving out of Salesforce for daily work, including sales teams. It should include partner teams, but Salesforce is still centralizing data standardization. And then that backs out into uh, data lakes and other data, data models and data uh, architecture models, right? Then you have UI layers. So there's Salesforce, right, which maybe becomes a data layer, but somebody has to work through Clary. So Clary is now your UI layer helping feed data back into your data layer. There's security layers, making sure we have security alignment between all the different systems and that you can get to the data you need when you need it, where you need it. There's workflow layers that move the data around. Sometimes that's in Salesforce. Maybe that's in a different system for your team because you need different workflow and you don't want to compete with what's happening on the direct sales side. There's the engagement enablement LMS layers. 
like there's layers of technology, just like you'd build a single product. All of these platforms can work together and they should be working together, influencing the organ wide selection and adoption of new technology. So none of it should be done within a vacuum. Everyone should have a chance to look at the features to see, is this going to be helpful for our team? In this model as a whole, across all of these ideas, now the software you choose acts within these layers with this variety of other solutions, sometimes solving very specific challenges, other times broad challenges, but always working together to deliver experience in a meaningful way for each group of stakeholders. This is ecosystem operations. So the wrap up as we tie up and we're, we're over 12 minutes. Every time I sit down to do this, I just keep going. I keep drawing it out. I could have written this up as a single article this week, but I, multiple articles I realized, but I just like to have it all in one place. And since you're listening on the podcast, let's talk a minute about vendors. Now, this is something I'm not putting into my write-up, so it's just going to be a podcast-only piece. And I want to talk about a few vendors that I actually like. I'm going to start with Fluency because this is a platform that I am working with. I signed a deal to be an advisor. And the reason is that I think Jessie is quick, smart. Uh, she's the founder. Um, and I also like what she's trying to do. From the moment I met her uh, at Supernode 2022, she was trying to solve a problem that I had in the org that I was with around account mappings and uh, really the, the enablement components around it. I'm still working in that angle, but she's got a new approach that has got me really interested. So I've signed up there. I'm acting as a uh, product advisor and I'm really excited about what they're working on. She's at SAS Connect this week. So if you see her, hit her up, ask her some questions. Um, I, I won't say too much. I won't let that be her thing. But the, the value for fluency is going to be um, really around helping you understand your opportunities from conversations your sales team's already having. That's how I'm going to say it. Um, another platform in the same vein is Superglue. It's a guy named Rob. Um, I like Rob a lot. We've talked several times through partnership leaders. Uh, we were on a we co-hosted together last week with a Magentrix panel, and the thing that I think I like about Superglue is that Rob's not asking me or my team to, to um, you know, or my my organization as a whole to have to go into his platform to do all this work to work with partners, have partners come to him. He's once again recognizing that you need to meet people where they're at, kind of like Fluency's working on bringing data to where you're at, not asking you to come to another system. I just think that trend is going to be increasingly important with tech and the solutions we provide. Because tech is moving so rapidly that a lot of platforms are just not going to have the time to get all of what we would consider a real MVP together. The, the, the road to MVP is getting longer and longer as we have higher expectations for what should be there. And I think that as a result, platforms like Rob's and Jesse's are going to start to be able to fill these niche gaps in terms of what we're doing. Now, um, Superglue is a little bit more expansive than Fluency currently. But it's really targeting like uh, a tool for partner managers to manage the work they need to do on a consistent basis and run engagement and sequencing and contact and moving partners to funnel without the need to go huge PRM type stuff. It's really, really interesting, I think, uh, compelling argument he's making over there. I mean, he's really focused on partnerships, which I think is important to have partner-focused tools that are there for partnerships. Um, when we get back over to, like, let's talk about account mapping because we're on this subject as well. I do think, I'm just going to say it right now. Um, there's, there's two major ones in my space, at least the ones that are, are there a lot. And I am, uh, I do lean toward reveal myself. Now I, I would, I do that for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I do like the UI a little better. Uh, two, um, I, I'll acknowledge my partner hacker engagement bias. Like I am a part of partner hackers, a columnist there, and I know those guys, but, um, that's actually a pretty limited focus on it. The other things for me are really like the, the work they're doing in Salesforce to actually improve their widget for functionality. I like it. I like that you can take action from the widget now. That's a new thing that came out. A lot of questions about that. And also Nearbound 
is not just a marketing play. This is something that I that missed rolled over me at some point with all of the marketing they're doing about it. Um, somewhere in all that marketing, I personally missed the fact that this is not just a marketing word or buzzword. This is a feature in the platform that they're capitalizing on. It's actually a differentiating feature, as I understand it so far, that allows you to work with these customers that you are targeting and push those over to your partners and say, hey, also, look, we really want to get in the door here. Can you help us close this even though we don't have an overlap? Right, which is taking account mapping and going a step further into it's not necessarily mapped, but it is a target, getting your ICP alignment. And then I'm going to talk about Magentrix, the last one. I was on a panel last week. Again, I'm trying to control any bias I might have. I've always looked at Magentrix as a strong contender in the space. They have only recently, in my opinion at least, shifted toward a heavy PRM focus in marketing. They've always done it. I'm going to say that. They've always been portal-oriented. They're always a platform. They're not, you know, like not specific um, that way they're a platform as a service is kind of how they bill it. So you get this object-oriented database with a lot of customization potential um, that is now focusing more heavily, I think, on partnerships and PRM work, um, which means, again, if you look at the layers that I talked about earlier, there's this opportunity to create this experience layer that maybe is good for your partners but is also good for your team to be able to manage what they do. Um, that's it. Those are those are the four I want to mention today. Thanks for listening in. It's been a longer podcast than normal, much longer. Thanks for hanging out. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to talking to you then.